to the Very Well Mind podcast. We've interviewed over 100 authors, experts, entrepreneurs, athletes, musicians, and others to help you learn strategies to care for your mental health. This episode is hosted by psychotherapist and best-selling author Amy Morin. Now let's get into the episode. Have you ever had a job that you didn't like? Maybe you hated a job you had 10 years ago. Or maybe you find yourself in a job right now that you just don't love. Sometimes, though, for one reason or another, you might feel like you have to stick it out at a job that you don't love, even if it's just for a little while. My guest today has some great tips for you if you don't love your job. In fact, she can help you get through the day if you're struggling with a toxic workplace. I'm talking to Heather Monahan. She's been on this show before to talk about confidence. And now she's back. She's talking about her new book, Overcome Your Villains. Some of the things she talks about are what she learned from being fired, the steps you can take if you work with tough people, and her three-step process for overcoming whatever adversity you face. Make sure to stick around until the end of the episode for the therapist's take. This is a part of the show where I'll break down Heather's mental strength-building strategies and talk about how you can apply them to your own life. So here's Heather Monahan on how to stay mentally strong when you're dealing with a toxic workplace. Heather Monahan, welcome to the Very Well Mind podcast. Oh, thank you so much for having me back on. You are our first returning guest. We're up to 120 something episodes and you're the first person we have had back for the second time. And I'm excited to talk to you again. Well, I'm so excited to be here and thank you. So last time you were on the show, we talked about uh, all things confidence. But now you have a new book called uh, Overcoming Your Villains. Yeah. So, you know, what's interesting is when I first came out with Confidence Creator, my first book, I never had any big picture goal or idea. I just thought, hey, if one person buys it and it helps one person, I'm grateful. So that turned into one book being out there. People, as you know, people asking, when's the next book coming out? And they started asking me questions. How did you bounce back from getting fired? How did you overcome this adversity? That one. And I started noticing a theme around questions people were asking me. And I thought, maybe this is really a roadmap for my next book, which ultimately led to Overcome Your Villains, the three-step process to overcome any adversity in work or in life. So then tell us, what was the villain, villain or villains that you had to overcome? Oh my gosh, so many. So, you know, like a lot of people, I found myself in corporate America just in the grind, right? Never thinking hey, I have a lot of choices here. I could leave where I am. I used to say to myself, I have golden handcuffs. You know, I have to be here. And over time, the culture was changing and evolving at at the company I used to work for. But it didn't happen really quickly. It happened very slowly, right? So it wasn't something that you noticed. It wasn't like flipping a switch on. Oh gosh, there's a problem. Just slowly over time, I didn't love going to work that much anymore. I wasn't fired up the way I had been when I was younger. And just very slowly, things changed. And suddenly, my hair started falling out. Suddenly, my back went out. There were all these physical signs showing up. And I still, Amy, I know you as a doctor, you're like, oh, yes, of course, I can see what this is. But I didn't get that, right? I just thought, oh, my gosh, I'm getting old. I guess this is what happens when you get old. I never thought, wait a minute, maybe I'm in a toxic environment that has been slowly over the last few years really doing a number on me mentally. And now it's showing up physically. But that was that 
big moment that I had. Wait a minute. I think I've got a big villain here and I need to deal with it. I'm glad that you said that in terms of how it happens slowly. I think that happens so often with people I see in my therapy office. But even in my own life, I've done that before. You enter into a situation and you think this is tolerable. And it is those little things that add up over time. How did you finally realize what it was? I mean, when you start losing hair and then you end up on an airplane and you can't stand back up again. And I, at the time I was 42 or 43 years old. That's not, maybe if I was 80, right, that could be something potentially that could happen because of old age. But those two things coupled together, I thought, wait a minute, there's something else going on here. I need to really start thinking. And I went back to my journals and I'll tell you in my entire life, I've kept journals from different periods of my life. It's like your Inspector Clouseau. You get to go back and connect the dots together. And when I started reading, I was seeing, I didn't used to write that I hated going to work. I didn't used to write, I'm crying yet again in front of my child. I, I feel like I'm failing as a mother. I didn't feel like that even two or three years prior. And I could compare my notes from each of the journals. And once I had that moment of reflection, when I threw my back out and I was laying on my back literally for weeks because I had to, I said, you know what, there's something else going on here. And I think I know exactly what it is. And, and for me, it wasn't just one person, right? Because when it's just one person, it's very easy to point that finger. But it was bigger than that. It was one person treating me very poorly in a passive aggressive way at work, right? Not responding to emails, giving me looks up and down, asking what size, another woman asking what size pants I had on. Some really nasty quiet, nasty uh, tactics that this person deployed. So it wasn't easy to say she didn't call me a jerk in a meeting, right? Instead, she'd pass by me. So other people might not notice. And you start to question, well, maybe I'm being crazy. You know, maybe I, I'm the one that has a problem here and it, it's it's not her. So it wasn't like I was pointing a finger at this woman. But at the same time, I was in a culture where this was tolerated. And there was this game that went on at the company I worked in, which I call, or, you know, I, I, I steal from earlier years, emperor has no clothes on, right? You're, everyone sees the emperor standing there with no clothes on, but no one's supposed to say that's actually what's happening. And that was the toxic work environment, which was just a, as big an issue, if not more than that one individual that really had targeted me. Interesting you bring that up too, the fact that it was more this passive aggressive or a little more subtle stuff. We know that, and that's what the research says too. When somebody calls you a jerk to your face, you can interpret that as, oh, that person doesn't like me. But when somebody says something maybe like, hey, what size pants do you wear? Or somebody says something that's kind of like a backhanded compliment or they're more passive aggressive, it takes so much mental energy to figure out, is this person actually complimenting me? Are they, what are they getting at? Why are they acting like this? And studies will show that, that we're we get home at night way more exhausted than if somebody were really upfront with us and maybe bullied us directly as opposed to this indirect sort of stuff that is so mentally taxing on us. It's so draining because, and I'm glad that you pointed out, and I did not know that, that stat, but it makes complete sense to me now. My mind was always running, asking myself the questions and starting to prepare for, okay, well, tomorrow I'm going to see her again. What tactic is she going to try today? How should I respond? trying to be strategic, but not cross a line, trying to stand up for myself, but not piss my, anybody off and get fired, you know, not step out of this culture of I'm not really supposed to speak up and own my own feelings or, you know, where, when I see something wrong happening. And so 
it became, I thought that was normal for a while, which is really embarrassing because I was in a leadership position and my not standing up for me meant I was turning a blind eye to everybody on my team too. And that's so disappointing. But for whatever reason, I was so worn down at that point in time that I didn't have it within me to stand up at least until I got fired. You know, we hear all this advice about, oh, just be patient or wait it out or have boundaries, set limits. And a lot of times stuff feels like it's conflicting, right? Like you have to stand up for yourself or pick your battles. How do you decide what to do when you're in a situation like that? Here's my belief. And, and everyone needs to do what's right for them at any given point in time. Because if somebody could have given me this advice back, you know, the year that I was going to get fired, I would have never taken it. I wasn't in the position mentally my belief is you need to fire the villains around you to tackle the one within you, right? And I wasn't even close to getting near to the one big villain myself, which is my own self-doubt, my own fear, my own self-limiting, you know, beliefs. So at that point in time, anyone could have told me this, but at the end of the day, you need to, in my opinion, own your voice, even if it's in the smallest way. I didn't start feeling better about myself until I'd say to this woman, oh, excuse me, you didn't hear me. Hi, I'm over here. Little things even though I knew that was going to upset her, I would walk away from that exchange feeling better about myself, which could build some momentum into the possibility. If you look at it as, as this very simplistic viewpoint, which is in any moment, you're either creating confidence or you're chipping away at it. For me, I would try to see these exchanges through that lens. What's the most simplistic thing I can do right now that at least is going to help me build up the confidence back within me? And as I began to build that strength, then I started to become more intentional about who I am and owning my voice and feeling better about, you know, being me. And the more I would show up as a, the real version of me, the more I would start speaking my truth. Granted, it ended up getting me fired. But you know what? At the end of the day, I wasn't meant to be there. I wasn't meant to be in a toxic corporate culture. That's not who I am. I never fit into that. And I should have left years earlier. But I would imagine the day you got fired, you might not have felt that way. No, I was devastated. I mean, that was a horrible day. But when I look back, and here's the beauty of it, you can't connect the dots when you're in that moment, right? A couple of years later, it's easy to look back and say, that was the best blessing and gift I could have been given. But on that day, it felt like the worst thing that could have ever happened to me. And I thought I had lost everything. So how do you think somebody, what steps should somebody do if they're in a t potentially toxic work environment? I guess let's start with this. How do you recognize if you're in a toxic environment since it does happen slowly? You already know. I guarantee it. You already know. And if you don't, it's only because you've silenced your inner voice so much that you're having a hard time connecting with it. And if you're in that position, start asking yourself, what, is, what are the things that I say to my friends outside of work? What am I saying to my family? For me, it was my son. My son said to me point blank, Mom, whenever you get home from work after you've seen that lady, you're in the worst mood. That's a cue. That's a flag. Hang on. I'm either leaving people feeling better about myself, invigorated and full of energy, or I'm leaving feeling drained, questioning myself. You need to look at yourself through that true, clear glass, not one that is rose colored just because you want a job and you want a paycheck. Forget that just for one minute, step outside of it and say, how do I really feel and start rating that? And if you journal that, write it down, take some notes and make yourself look at what actually is. It does not take long to figure out this no longer is a place for me. Why do you think it is that we sometimes don't pay attention to that, that we tune it out? We think, oh, I can handle this. Or we think it's us like, oh, it's me. It's not necessarily my work environment. 
it's going to be hard. Change is hard for people, right? I was a, you know, someone who I would, I was an advocate for change and innovation in business as long as it wasn't me being displaced, right? I'm happy to launch a new product line, but me leave the company I had been at for 14 years, that sounded horrible and scary and different. I was not in a comfort zone. I was stuck in a familiar zone. And I believe there's a big difference. I was never comfortable there those last few years, but it was familiar. And I got to this place of, well, this is my routine. This is what I'm good at. Maybe I'm not good at other things. Maybe it's the company that's been propping me up. You know, I question every bit about myself that what if I did take the chance to leap and leave here to find out I wasn't going to be successful somewhere else. That fear kept me stuck right and familiar instead of making a break to what could be. That fear of change is huge, isn't it? That we tend to think, oh, maybe if I do something different, I might make it worse. So we stay stuck right where we are because we think, oh, if I do anything else or if I fail at something else or what if I quit my job? Because there's this notion that we should, shouldn't always go where we think the grass is greener because it's not necessarily greener. So sometimes I think a lot of people use that as an excuse to stay stuck because they think, well, I should just be happy wherever I am or I should make the best of the situation I'm in right now. Well, one of the things that I want to share, because you just teed me up great for it, is the book is a, all about a three-step process to overcome any adversity. The first step is around beliefs and dismantling the belief to the most simplistic fact that actually is there, right? And 90% of the time, there's zero fact there. So I'll give the example of the day I got fired. I walked out of there saying, I've lost everything. I, I have nothing. I've literally lost everything. We'll pump the brakes for a minute, dismantle that down to fact. Did I lose my son? No. Did I lose my health? No. Did I lose my friends and network? No. Did I lose my unique value proposition, my expertise, my experiences? The answer was no to all of those things. I did lose a paycheck, right? So I did lose a paycheck. That was what the belief had to get boiled down to. I didn't lose everything. I lost a paycheck. Once I acknowledged that, I could look back on my past and say, I've actually gotten paychecks a number of different places. This isn't the only paycheck I'd ever received. So I started to feel, okay, the past is an indicator of what could be for the future. Then maybe the, the potential for me for the future is I can replace this paycheck. And it really, it took a lot of that pressure I was putting on myself off. My next step is take action immediately. And I posted on social media, I've just been fired and I need your help. If I've ever helped you before, I need to hear from you today. And that post went viral and, and really changed my situation very quickly. I love that because so often we want to be like, oh, I got to make a move, but I don't want to be impulsive or I got to think about this. And then we get stuck in that cycle of just thinking too much or being too inactive and we don't actually make any change. That was not going to be an opportunity for me because I knew I needed to find a way to replace income, but I didn't know what was possible for me. The funny thing is, is when you've been in one industry or, you know, one company for so long, you begin to tune out and only see what's available in that space because you might only have the knowledge around it, right? And for me, I was in the media business so long and I was speaking all across the country for the media business, but as an executive, not as a paid speaker, I didn't know speakers were paid. And I'll never forget, and this is for anyone listening, whatever industry or company you're in, pick your head up out of your industry to look at growth industries and how your unique value proposition could be valued in these other industries. I had never done that simple exercise and I want people to do it today. Your unique value proposition, whatever your special unique skill set is, can be valuable in other marketplaces, other companies and other industries, just because you don't have experience in 
in building airplanes doesn't mean there's somewhere in the airline industry that some of your skill set could actually apply from a strategic sense or or who knows what. Come to find out, people have been telling me forever, you're a great speaker, Heather, a great speaker. Oh, thanks. It's part of my job. I have to do that. Only to find out once I was out on my own, stumbling around, making a lot of different mistakes and getting into different business partnerships, I stumbled into the speaking business to find out that was a multi-billion dollar business that I wished I had jumped into 10 years before because I would have made so much more money in the speaking business than I would have in the media industry. I'm glad you said that because there's so many different career paths out there. And in today's world, obviously, you and I have very similar careers these days, but we have really different backgrounds. But we both figured out how to earn a living by speaking and having a podcast and selling books and all of those sorts of things. No, but you're so right. We came at this place where we both are today very similarly from completely different backgrounds. I mean, that's unbelievable. And it's such a great point and goes to show You don't have to have the same path everybody has taken to get somewhere that looks interesting to you. So your three-part system you talk about, number one is breaking down your self-limiting beliefs into something really simple. The second one is that the taking action part. Taking action, immediately take action. And if you can't take big action, putting a post up on social isn't huge, right? But it's a step. So taking some type of action, that one action is like, it's a domino effect. You don't know what that one action will turn into. And for me, posting that I had just been fired landed me on the Elvis Duran show because Froggy tweeted, hey, if I can help, let me know. And one of the things I want people to know is if anybody offers you help, close that opportunity in the moment. People get busy in their own lives. So ask for something specific. So when he said, can I help? I tweeted back, yes, get me on the show. And he got me on that show. I had no idea what I would talk about or what I'd say. I'd never been on a show that big. But I knew if I stay in the same pool that I've always been in, I'm going to see the same opportunities I've already been exposed to. I need to be around bigger opportunities, different people that I've never surrounded myself with to start seeing what could be available to me. I love it. I think we can do that with a lot of things, even outside of work. If you're looking for a doctor, you're looking to move to a new city, you want to question about something in your life, you can certainly just reach out on social media, ask your network what they think. I mean, why not? We all have that available to us at any point in time. And like you said, it just starts with the action, raising your hand to ask that question. So, all right. So that's number two. Can you tell us the third step? Yes. So the third step, and and I'll give you the example of the Elvis Duran show. So halfway through the Elvis Duran show, you know, I took the action, put the post up. I landed on the show. Elvis Duran looks at me and says, well, Heather, obviously you're writing a book. And I said, well, obviously, but I wasn't. I had not grown up the smart one, right? A lot of people grew up with labels on themselves. I was the social one who became the sales one. That was that natural progression. I had a sister who had perfect SATs. She was the smart one. She was a doctor, right? So I had never even thought an author, is that even available to me? But when someone who was so far ahead of me, you know, in my opinion, had achieved massive amounts of success, he saw so clearly that potential within me that in that one statement and moment, he transferred his confidence to me and really gave me that gift to say, Maybe this is something I can go do, which led me to Google, how do you write a book? And it basically said, you have to sit down and write X amount of hours a day. I had just been fired. I had some free time. But, you know, to take it back to the back process, knowledge, I access knowledge from someone who had been where I wanted to go. And that was the gift that Elvis Duran gave to me in that moment. 
So if we can find somebody who has done something that we want to do or somebody that has that knowledge, just borrow it from them. But it can also be your podcast. Accessing knowledge can be from your book, 13 Things Mentally Strong People Don't Do, or from the podcast, or it can be from following someone on social media and getting their tips and tactics, or it can be from a conversation from someone, the right source, right? Intentionally saying, I'm going to go to someone who can give me the information because they've been there. I've got um, a social friend who happens to be a billionaire who I go to whenever I'm doubting a business idea. I know this guy has been to all of these places and beyond. So if I want to get some good information and advice, I'm going to go to him, not to my grandmother who never worked, right? Because she's not going to be able to give me solid business advice. So often people will go back to people you grew up with or family members who really aren't the people who should be advising you on that next business decision. Oh, so that sounds similar to something one of our other guests, Katie Milkman. We had her on the show. She wrote a book about lasting change. She's researched it endlessly. And her take on it was, we do better when we copy and paste from somebody else. So if you want to get into business, find somebody who's done it and figure out what steps do I copy and paste from them rather than reinventing the wheel. And I like that idea too, that we don't have to just turn to the five people we're surrounded with every day. You can look to social media, people you've never met before and learn from them too. And in fact, you shouldn't look to those people you've been surrounding yourself for, unless maybe if you're looking for a great recipe on cookies and your grandmother bakes the greatest cookies in the world, then she is the person light years ahead of you. Absolutely. But be intentional about it. You know, if you're seeking advice from someone, make sure you're seeking from that right person. Okay. I love it. So to make sure that we break our self-limiting beliefs down to something really simple that we can handle, to take immediate action, and then to borrow from somebody else's knowledge so that we can figure out what we're going to do next. Exactly. And if you keep repeating that process, the more you repeat it and repeat it, the more it becomes second nature to you. So as you and I were talking about off air earlier, when my new book was coming out and there's all these supply chain issues and I get the phone call that now your book launch date you've had set for eight months, Heather, is now being changed. My first reaction is, my book's going to fail. This is never going to work. Everything that I worked so hard for, I have to pump the brakes and say, put back into motion right now. Believe. Is, is everything going to fail? I have no idea, right? That, that's, there's no truth or fact to that. So you have to dismantle that belief of fact. There was zero fact. I don't know what's going to happen yet. So I had to stop telling myself that non-true story. Then I had to take action. What can I do to change now? halt the the book launch party, move anything I can to the next week, reach out and ask friends for help, right? And then surround yourself with knowledge that's going to help advance you in an intentional fashion. And that's like talking to people like you who have a lot more books out in the world than I do, who who assure me, Heather, challenges like this happen all the time. You keep going forward and it's going to work out. Oh, what a great example from, from your own life. And I've known you for a long time. I've seen you put this into action plenty of times too and how We've worked together on certain things and I've been on your show. You've been on our show before and just seeing how you actually live, live these things too, that you don't just necessarily uh, talk about it or write about it, but this is what you actually do. So what about for somebody who can't quit their job? I know we talk about, well, anybody could be an entrepreneur or if you don't like your job, change it. That sounds great. However, some people have uh, limited resources they have to pay their bills. Maybe they live in an area where there aren't a lot of jobs, they may have to put up with the work environment they're in, at least for a little while. What's your advice to somebody who feels like they can't just quit their job and become an author or a speaker tomorrow? 
I get it because I I'm these are my people, right? I was in the same situation. I felt the exact same way. However, the first thing I would get clear on is, you know, do you want to go somewhere else? First, just possibility. Don't think about all the particulars and details yet. You don't need to know that. Just get clear on, yes, I, I don't like the people I work with. I don't want to work here anymore. I'm not, it's not fun anymore. I don't like it. So then write down, get intentional. And I would write down, people will write down grocery lists every you know week because nobody wants to forget their kids' baked glaze but no one writes down writes down what's so important to them in their life in this moment. And the reason why people write things down is you're 90% more likely to achieve it if you write it down. You won't forget. You'll remember. It will be top of mind. You will search out ways to make it happen. So I challenge everyone who's listening, write it down. I will no longer be working at blah, blah, blah place in one year. Give it a timeline. It doesn't have to be in a week or a month. Maybe it's six months. Maybe it's a year. But write down that goal that you're setting for yourself because you know you're going to be happier. You don't know where you're going yet. That's okay. You don't have to know. But then begin to engage in conversation with people in your network. Hey, I'm looking to make a move over the next year or so, right? And then maybe as you have these conversations, where else do you think my unique skill set could apply outside of this industry? Ask curious questions. Ask people. Start to define your unique value proposition. Ask the people in your current circle of life. What's unique and different about me that you see as talented and special? And start to get crystal clear on what your talents are. So often people don't see the power that lies within them that everybody else around them sees. And the sooner you can identify that, then the sooner you can start seeing where that skill set could apply to different industries, different companies. Update the resume. Keep having the conversation. Stay open-minded to the idea that the future is different than what it currently is, and you will begin to create it and find it. And that's fact. It is. I mean, you think of where the uh, jobs, I guess, that were available just 20 years ago, compared to now, how the world has changed, the opportunities, the doors that have opened, the different things that we can do. And I know you and I never set out to become authors and speakers and podcast hosts, but here we are. Yeah, we never knew that this was possible. It's important not to listen to what other people are saying because some so many people say, there's no other jobs out there for you. You can't do that. No, right now, companies are desperate to find talent. And I was actually speaking with a woman last week who was kind of in that mindset of, I live in the Midwest. I can't leave where I live. There's no good companies here. I have too much of a resume, too big of a resume. I can't make the kind of money that I'm making. I'm stuck. And I said, really? Have you spoken to a recruiter yet? She said, no. I said, let me connect you to one that I know. I get her on the phone with the recruiter. The recruiter says, your resume is incredible. I've never seen someone with the the specific combination you have. Let me make a phone call. I know someone who's looking for someone in strategy. I wonder if he would entertain virtual. I'll call you back. Within three days, this woman is on round two of interviews. The guy loves her, the CEO. She's so excited that she wouldn't have to leave her home, her children, her family, but she'd be able to get more money, a better opportunity, better working environment, learning, you know, take that next step. But none of that happens if she didn't raise her hand to me and say, I'm miserable in my job. I don't know what to do. You know, I've got to figure something out, but I don't think there's an answer. Just that one statement question, whatever it was, started this domino effect that now has her getting a job offer to to make a move that she did not know one week ago was possible for her. I love that. And do you think the pandemic has opened even more doors for us? Absolutely. I mean, granted, I, I was not a fan of the pandemic at all as the speaking business disappeared overnight. And I just, you know, I was reinventing myself again. Okay, I can do consulting virtually. I can do coaching virtually. 
I can try to virtual speak. I don't even know what that means, right? So it was this really dark space. But now as we're getting further and further out from it, it's changing what is possible for in-person work. And that idea of virtual work for people is incredibly attractive. And so many companies are embracing that. So I definitely think there are more doors open for people, regardless of where you live, than there ever was just even a couple of years ago. I think so too. I have more hope that people will uh, have more opportunities available and that they'll look around more as we're realizing the world has changed. We don't have to keep working the same way that we've worked always, that there are more opportunities, things we can do, places we can live, ways to live. And if we just got to look around. We just have to take that first step, raise your hand, ask for help, dump those self-limiting beliefs and start taking action. So last question for you, parting words of wisdom. Somebody's dreading going to work tomorrow. What's the first thing they should do, the step they should take, or one thing they can do to get through the day a little bit easier? Okay, I'm going to give a funny example of my own life that I um, I just was thinking about this this morning, actually. If you've ever been around certain people and they can be a, a bit draining, you know, like someone you would think like maybe this is kind of a villain. They're a little negative. You know, you're never going to elicit negative actions and think in return you're going to get a positive outcome, right? But that's maybe just the person. I There is a, a spin studio um, instructor that I I like her music but she's got kind of this negative vibe. And sometimes, and again, I'm not saying she's a bad person, but sometimes she'll yell to the to the, the sightless, myself included, no one's smiling at me. What are you trying to scare me? Smile at me. So she's taking negativity and hopes she can elicit a positive response. That's not how the equation works, right? You need to be positive if you want to create positivity in others. Give positivity in order to hope for some back. And so I was getting really annoyed with this class. And I was finding that I was turning more negative myself when I was in the class, which I really don't like, right? So I'm, so I'm thinking, maybe this is one of my villains. Doesn't mean she's a bad person, but I might need to stop going to this class, right? Just so I don't want to become negative. And then I remembered, there's this interesting, um, I don't know if, it, if it's a fable or whatever it is, but it's about taking a carrot, an egg, and a coffee bean and putting each one of them in boiling hot water. When you put a carrot in boiling hot water, it goes soft. When you put an egg in boiling hot water, it becomes really hard. When you put a coffee bean in boiling hot water, the coffee bean transforms the water into coffee. So each three has a different approach, meaning basically you can get beaten down by by hardships like the carrot and just become soft and turn into a puddle. You can become hard and angry and negative like the hard boiled egg. Or you can be like the coffee bean and say, I don't like this negative situation. I'm going to change the entire environment around me. So I decided to go back to class and be the coffee bean. And I went into class and I, I, I talked to myself in the car. I, like I put my good fire me up music on. I said, you're going to go in there and you are going to be the coffee bean and change that entire environment. Let's see if you can do it. And so I went into a negative situation that I knew how this woman was going to show up. And I went into all smiles. Hey, shout out to you. It's so good to see you this morning. And I wasn't doing that previously. And she was like, oh, hey, Heather, Good morning. And then she started, is anyone even awake in here? And I started yelling, I am. And I picked my towel up and started waving it around. And I will tell you, it's so funny because I was doing it to test to see, could this situation be like the coffee bean in, in the hot water? And it, it was, right? So we turned from that negative energy. I started showing up in a really positive fashion for her. And in my mind saying, I'm giving you my positive energy right now. And I saw this woman change. And as she changed, she changed the environment for everyone. And the class was off the charts and so exciting. 
And so now I've seen firsthand that even in these random situations, how I choose to show up, if I show up as the carrot or the egg is not going to make my day better. But if I choose to go in somewhere and be that coffee bean, even if I don't like that place I'm going to be, I can have an impact on myself and others around me. So I would challenge that person. You don't have to keep working there for the rest of your life. We both know behind the scenes that you are taking action. You're going to access the right knowledge and you're going to move yourself out of there. But tomorrow, don't show up as a carrot. Don't show up as the egg. Go in there and be the coffee bean and change the entire environment around you. Be the coffee bean. I love it. And I can totally see you doing that, going in and, and making that impression. <laughs> but what a wonderful thing. When we step into a meeting, so often we pay attention to the one grumpy person instead of looking for the positive or to praise the person that we think is doing a great job. Instead, we go in with a negative attitude and it it's a tough to get out of that cycle. So be the coffee bean. Love it. Definitely be the coffee bean. And the other thing is, and I just started this with COVID, you never know what someone else is going through. So I try to imagine what if that person just lost someone in their life, you know, especially with COVID and all these things going on. I don't know their financial hardship. I don't know their health situation. Why don't I put good energy out there and see what comes back to me? I love it. Heather, thank you so much for being on our podcast again. Oh my gosh. Thank you so much for having me back. I want everybody to go out and buy a copy of Overcome Your Villains and learn how to deal with these things. These are wonderful skills that can work, I'm sure, in the work environment, but outside of work as well. And if you go to overcomeyourvillains.com, you get my $500 bonus bundle for free. It's got my confidence video course, my email program, my workbook, all for free for making the purchase of Overcome Your Villains. And I can't wait to hear what you think. Awesome. We'll link to it in our show notes. Thank you, Heather. Thank you, Amy. Welcome to The Therapist Take. This is a part of the show where I break down my guest strategies and share how you can apply them to your own life. Here are three of Heather's strategies that I highly recommend. Number one, write down what you want to do. Heather talked about the importance of writing down a goal. I agree. There's something about putting something on paper that makes it feel real. Whether your goal is to write a book someday or you really want to take a vacation to Australia, write it down. As Heather says, simply writing it down increases the chances that you'll actually make it happen. Number two, Get help from people who are doing what you want to do. I appreciate Heather's tips that you should be selective about whose advice you listen to. Your well-meaning friends and family might offer a lot of advice about how you should be running your business or how you should handle your money. But there's a good chance that those people might not be experts in those areas. I get lots of advice from people about how to market my books or how to land the biggest interviews. But in reality, most of those people giving me that advice aren't people with experience doing those things. And it would be easy to get distracted by their advice if I listened. So when someone offers you advice, ask yourself whether that person is truly qualified to advise you. If they aren't, you don't have to listen. Go look for people who do have experience, experience that you want. And if you don't know anyone personally, that's okay. Look for experts who share their wisdom on social media or people who've written books on the topic. And number three, change your behavior first. When you're dealing with tough people or even toxic people, change your behavior first. It's easy to get caught up in a cycle where you dread seeing someone and consequently, your behavior will show it. This can keep you stuck in a perpetual cycle of negative interactions. So I appreciated Heather's story about how she changed her behavior first with her spin instructor. You can't control how other people behave, but you can influence them. You can set the tone in the room, and when you do, 
other people will often change how they act. Develop a plan for how you can make things more positive and then take action. It might shift how other people behave too. If it doesn't change their behavior, at the very least, taking positive action will boost your mood regardless. So those are three of Heather's tips that I highly recommend. Write down your goals. Only take advice from people who are doing what you want to do. And when you're dealing with toxic people, focus on changing your behavior first. If you want more tips from Heather, check out her book, Overcome Your Villains, Mastering Your Beliefs, Actions, and Knowledge to Conquer Any Adversity. It's filled with lots of tips, not just for overcoming a toxic workplace, but for dealing with all kinds of tough situations. Thank you for listening to the Very Well Mind podcast. If you found this episode informative, please share the episode with your friends and family and leave a rating and review wherever you listen to podcasts. To learn more about the Very Well Mind podcast, you can head to verywellmind.com slash podcasts.